listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. We're getting ready to dive into part two of this. I couldn't finish it all yesterday. And uh, we're talking about why do I need the anointing? And we're dealing with 10 vital functions of the anointing. Um, if you guys know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Uh, we're in Crawfordsville, Indiana this week. Uh, tonight is the uh, final night of this uh, meeting, Lord willing, 7 o'clock. And we'll be on all platforms. And then tonight, uh, after the service, we're going to be, uh, well, not, not after the service, but tomorrow we're headed to Danville, Kentucky. Uh, to be at Faith Church one night only. So uh, if you're anywhere around the area, we'd love to have you. And starting on Sunday, we are in Bardstown, Bardstown, Kentucky uh, for that week. So then we head off to the very first tent meeting of the year. And then tent meeting season starts. And uh, we're starting in Johnson City, Tennessee, which is going to be great. And uh, all the details of the uh, services are on the website. We've been having people come in uh, from everywhere to be a part of the meetings uh, over the last couple of years, it's been amazing. Since the broadcast, really, we've been going every day. People are hungry to be in the presence of God. So we got people driving for hours uh, to be a part of revival everywhere we go. And it's awesome to see the hunger. And we'd love to see you as well live in one of these revivals. It's time to make a road trip. Jump in the car, get some little dude to pull you in a rickshaw, however you want to get here. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to see you. It'd be great to have you. Also, if you remember yesterday, a brand new last gen episode launched uh, Alex talking about wh uh, why young people are broke for reasons commonly that keep young people broke. And uh, if you haven't connected with our last gen ministry yet, uh, check it out. Check out the podcast. Check out the Instagram account. Uh, we would love for you to connect and connect your students and, and young people with it. Um, I'm going to jump in today because we've got a lot to talk about. Good morning, Hannah. Good morning, uh, Ted Melton. Good to see you. Um, I want to start, of course, yesterday, if you missed it, go back and watch it. But we got into talking about the 10 reasons or the functions of the anointing as to why we need the anointing. And uh, we got through five of them yesterday. Number one, the anointing is there to convict you. We need the anointing and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in operation in our lives and our churches. Number two, he empowers us. Number three, he comforts us. Number four, he guides us. Number five, he reveals things about the future and warns us of things to come. And uh, so the first five we did yesterday, uh, if you missed that, you can go back and watch it or you can listen on the podcast. Um, but today, I'm going to give you the last five, uh, 10 vital functions of the anointing. 10 vital functions of the anointing. Good morning, Josiah. Good to see you on, buddy. Um, and the first one I want to deal with is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And uh, as you know, Paul's teaching the church about spiritual gifts. Of course, it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, after he finishes talking about love and the power of love, he goes back into speaking about spiritual gifts again. And uh, I'm going to start with the first verse. The Bible says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Look at verse 4. And the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. See that. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. So look what's happening as, uh, as you start to see the Holy Spirit in operation. Uh, through just two gifts of the Spirit, and there's nine, but just through two of them, the Bible says that the church is built up, encouraged, edified, 
for consolation and people that are speaking in tongues, according to scripture, are actually encouraging themselves in the Lord, building up themselves in the Lord. So the sixth thing we're going to talk about, the sixth vital function of the anointing, why we need the anointing, is for encouragement, supernatural encouragement. If there's one thing that I've seen the enemy use to take people out of their calling, their purpose, their ministry, is discouragement. People get discouraged and they decide to throw in the towel. You know, that's why, I mean, it's such an important subject that that's why the Apostle Paul, when he was uh, teaching the church, writing to the church in Galatians, uh, he said, do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, if you faint not, you will reap. And so I want you to hear this. <clears throat> the devil, listen, the Holy Spirit would have never had to tell Paul to write that if growing weary and well-doing was not a temptation. And there are people that the enemy has tried to get them to quit, tried to get them to throw in the towel. And the key here is he's trying to get them to become weary, discouraged in the midst of doing what they're called to do. Don't ever quit. Don't ever throw in the towel. We're not called to quit. We're not quitters. But one of the ways that we stay free from that temptation to quit, to be discouraged, to throw in the towel, is that we stay supernaturally encouraged by the power of God. We stay supernaturally encouraged by the power of God. And the anointing is the source of that encouragement. And here we can see the two things that really uh, build up the church. One is prophecy, but notice for a personal encouragement, it's speaking in tongues. And so one of the functions of the anointing in speaking in tongues is to bring you encouragement personally. That's why I always encourage people, don't put off, don't, you know, first of all, uh, I can't understand it when people want to uh, literally contradict the Bible and forbid speaking in tongues, especially in church. But those that are filled with the Spirit, you should pray in the Spirit as often as you can. You should pray in tongues as often as you can. Because one of the functions of praying in tongues, according to Paul, is that it brings you encouragement supernaturally. The book of Jude, verse 20, the Bible says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So you can build up your most holy faith. I always tell people this, praying in tongues does not give you more faith, but it does stir up the faith that you already have. It's like I, uh, I always use the analogy of uh, stretching out before the game or stretching out before the track meet. You know, when you stretch, it doesn't give you more muscles, but it does warm up the muscles that you already have. And that's the, what's the point of that? You are getting them ready for action. You're getting them ready for action. That's the same with your faith. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, activate the anointing, you are stirring up your faith and getting it ready for action. Doesn't give you more faith, it stirs up your faith. It encourages you personally. And let me tell you, as many of you know, there are times when you have to encourage yourself. You can't wait on somebody else to encourage you. You can't wait on somebody else to do what you have the authority and power to do. And you got to stay encouraged. Why? Because every day in the midst of your purpose, the enemy will try to make you feel like quitting. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you activate the anointing, see, when you begin to pray and praise God, what happens? You are immediately pulled into and have activated the presence of God. God inhabits the praises of his people. Not only that, his ears, 1 Peter chapter 3, are open to their prayers. So when you pray, if you pray or if you praise, you're activating God's presence. And then when, when you get in his presence, guess what there is? Fullness of joy. And so there you have it. There you have it. By the actions you're taking of obedience, you are activating God's presence and encouraging yourself in the Lord. 
And when you encourage yourself in the Lord like that, it literally empowers you to keep pushing forward with strength, with absolute strength. Many of you have heard the story when I was in high school and my friend got into that severe um, car accident, went into a coma, was in the hospital. And you've heard the story about, you know, how he, I laid hands on him and he came out and all of that stuff. And he was fine, no brain trauma, no memory loss, all those things. But I want you to see the thing that truly was the factor in all of that. And if you don't know the story, after he got in the car crash, they called me at my house and I wasn't even old enough to drive a car yet. I had to have somebody come pick me up, take me to the hospital. And uh, when I got there, he was very popular. A lot of people were already in the waiting room crying and, and just kind of like he was already dead. And what I did, I went to the other side of the waiting room and I just started to get uh, built up in the spirit. I was pacing back and forth, just praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And uh, as I prayed in tongues, I felt this strength come up in me. Like I was getting angry at the devil, but I felt this overwhelming strength hit me as I was praying in tongues. And it got so much that I couldn't take it anymore. And I just went, started, I stalked right back, pushed through the doors of the ICU. And the literally nurse was telling me I couldn't go back there because it was, you know, family only. But when they turned and saw me looking at him, they said, you go, go ahead and go back. You can go back. I got into that room and see, I was on a whole nother level of encouraged in the spirit, a whole nother level of building up my most holy faith. I was ready for action. And that's what prompted me to get into that hospital room and to lay hands on his head and to watch as God healed him and brought him out with no issues that followed him. But it was praying in the Holy Ghost. Look at this testimony here in the comments from, from Cass, who we love. Speaking of gifts of the Holy Spirit, shortly after 9 a.m., I received the gifts of the Holy Spirit, began speaking in tongues. Thank you for your prayers and ministry Ted Carolyn and Victory Tribe. We love you, Cass. What a great testimony. Congratulations. She received the baptism of the Holy Spirit 9 a.m., I'm guessing, this morning. Praise the Lord for that. Now I'm encouraging you, Cass, every day, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. And be encouraged in the Lord. Be strengthened in your faith every single day. What an awesome testimony. I love it. I love it. Good morning, Myrna. Brad, good to see you. And so the sixth vital function of the anointing is to bring a supernatural encouragement to the believer. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me just ask it this way. <laughs> and this will be a pretty easy question. How many of you that are watching have been tempted to quit? You felt like quitting. The enemies made you feel like throwing in the towel. Throw a hand up in the comments just to prove the point that you know exactly what I'm talking about, that as you're on your journey of faith, as you're doing what God's called you to do, the enemy tries hard to get you to quit, to give up. And that's why Paul had to give that command. Do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season. If you'll faint not, you shall reap. Look at the hands going up in the comments. Why? because the devil doesn't have any new tricks. He does the same stuff he's always done. And he wants, see, here's what, here's what he knows. He can't stop you. So he wants you to stop yourself. That's what the devil knows. He has no authority to stop you. So what does he do? Tries to trick you into stopping yourself. <laughs> but he's a liar. And we are not defeated and we are not discouraged, we will not quit, we'll not throw in the towel, we're pressing forward by faith because faith always moves forward, it never moves back. Faith always moves forward, it never moves back. We're not retreating, we're advancing. We're taking ground. This is our year of divine possession. We will do what God called us to do and there's no devil that can stop us from doing what the Lord called us to do. And when you pray in tongues, you are stirring up your most holy faith. You're encouraging yourself in the Lord. Takes you to a whole nother level. And so number six, we need to keep that in front of us all the time 
because we need encouragement all the time. And so we pray in the Spirit. 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 Paul said that. He said, what am I going to do? He said, I will pray in the Spirit and with my understanding. That means I'll pray in my known language and I'll pray in the Holy Ghost. I'll do both. He said, I'll sing in my known language and I'll sing in the Spirit. So Paul, he's trying to get them to understand that this is not just something for a church service. This is something, he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you do. More than all of you do. So this is something that should be done on a regular basis, but not in place of praying in English, not in place of singing in English, but also. It's not either or, it's and. Hallelujah. And so he said, I'll pray in the spirit and I'll pray with my understanding. I'll sing in the spirit. I'll sing with my understanding. And as he does it, he understands I'm being encouraged. I'm being built up. I'm being strengthened. I'm being strengthened. Don't let the enemy have an upper hand because you've neglected praying in the Holy Ghost. And I did a broadcast not long ago talking about why we need to pray in the Holy Ghost now more than we ever have. Pray in the Holy Ghost now more than we ever have. And that's exactly right. So number six, we the, the sixth vital function of the anointing. And again, these are not in any particular order. It's not in order of importance or anything like that. It's just 10 vital functions of the anointing that we're going over. Number six is for supernatural encouragement in our own spirits, in our own minds. Last night I read from 1 Thessalonians 5.23 where Paul said, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, your spirit, your soul, and your body. You're a three-part being. But I want you to hear this, that when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it will affect all three parts of your being. It'll affect, uh, first of all, your spirit man. Faith is a spiritual thing. So when you stir up your most holy faith, you're being affected in the spirit realm by praying in tongues. But also the Bible says you encourage yourself in the Lord. And so it encourages your mind, your, your emotions. It, it brings to you a peace and a joy. That's affecting you in the soul realm. When you pray in tongues, it affects your spirit and your soul. But what does it do? It stirs that anointing up that's on the inside of you. And notice, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And what's it doing? He's quickening your physical body. And so literally, you can pray until strength comes into your physical body. So when you pray in tongues, whether you know it or not, you can affect every part of your three-part being by praying in the Holy Ghost. And so every day you should spend time praying in the Spirit. That's the sixth vital function of the anointing. Number seven, the seventh thing that we're going to talk about is that the anointing is necessary to bring healing. That's number seven. The seventh vital function of the anointing is to heal sicknesses and diseases to heal sicknesses and diseases. Jesus didn't just come so that you would be saved from sin, though that was the most important thing, though he was breaking that curse of sin, bringing us out of slavery to sin and out of bondage. Notice, he could have gone straight to the cross. Think about that. Jesus could have gone straight to the cross and taken nails in his hands and feet, crown of thorns on his head, pierced him in the side, declared it is finished, and broken the power of sin and death. But he did not go straight to the cross. Notice, he took stripes upon his back first. Because he doesn't just care about your spirit. He cares about the physical body that he gave you. So rather than just fast-tracking it straight to the cross, he had a pit stop on the way to take stripes upon his back. You say, well, he wasn't the one in charge. It was the Romans that were doing No, look at Bible prophecy. It was prophesied hundreds of years before all of it happened, some thousands, of what would take place with the Messiah. We know that his hands and feet would be pierced before crucifixion was even a punishment created by the Romans. 
The Bible prophesied crucifixion and hands and feet being pierced hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And you go back and read through all of the things that would happen. And it was all prophesied. It was God's own plan. What Jesus did was God's own plan. And so you start to realize he took stripes upon his back for a purpose that God had in mind. And so we understand that we are healed. We are healed through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not just saved, we're healed through the blood of Jesus. That anointing, think about it. That same anointing that saves you is the same anointing that heals you, sets you free. And so the anointing is necessary to bring healing. It's always, it's, I mean, it's not a mystery to me, but it's funny, isn't it, how all of those churches that reject the anointing of the Holy Spirit, they'll never see a sick person healed in their church because they reject that notion that the Holy Spirit's power is still operating and functioning in the same way that it was during the life of Jesus, the early church, the apostles. No, no, that stuff is over. That's what they'll tell you. That stuff's over. It's ceased. It's not happening anymore, especially the apostolic gifts and the and the gifts of the Spirit. They're not in operation now. That was literally to just approve of the ministry of the apostles. And as the uh, canon of Scripture was being created and given to the church, you know, it was, a, it was a proof that these were men sent from God. But once that all took place, it was no longer necessary. And now they've ceased. No, they've not ceased. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord God does not change. And so his power is the same. His functions are the same. It's like God, you know, God so much so does not change that in 2022, he still requires a blood sacrifice for sin. Do you realize that? In 2022, see, well, that was under the law of Moses. No, in 2022, the Lord God Almighty still requires a blood sacrifice for sin. The only thing that happened that's different now is that rather than sacrificing bulls, goats, and lambs every year, Jesus Christ became the eternal sacrifice for sin. He is an ever-present sacrifice in the presence of the Lord. His blood, the blood of the eternal lamb, the ever-present sacrifice. And so it never ends. It never expires, if you will. And so that blood of the covenant is eternal. God still requires it, but it was done once and for all. Because a man who had sinless blood was able to shed that blood for the sins of all humanity. And so although God still requires it, an eternal sacrifice has been given. But God doesn't change. Jesus Christ doesn't change. The same yesterday and today and forever. That power is the same. And if you need a healing and you're watching this broadcast or listening on the podcast, we'll even pray at the end of this broadcast that God would touch you where you are. That no matter what sickness, what disease has tried to come against you or your family, we're going to believe that the healing power of God would come upon you today and set you free. And so we need healing. We need healing. Isn't it interesting to you? So well, how important is that really? Very important. It's very important. I want you to put this in the comments. Healing miracles point people to Jesus. Put that in the comments. Healing miracles point people to Jesus. Praise God, Nancy. Great testimony. That's it, Jeannie. Healing miracles point people to Jesus. Why? It's the power of Christ. That's the only power that can produce healing miracles. That's why. And it was true when Jesus was alive. Look at this. Gospel of John, chapter 2, and uh, verse 23. John 2, 23. Now when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. 
Do you see that? Many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing, John 2, 23. And so healing miracles point people to Jesus. Again, if you look further, John chapter 10, interesting here, that Jesus himself said, I love this, when they questioned him about who he was and he claimed to be the son of God, listen to this. He said, what do you, I'll read starting with verse 31, John 10, 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone Jesus and he answered them. I've shown you many good works from the father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And they said, we're not stoning you for a work, but for you for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. Even he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you're blaspheming because I said, I'm the son of God. If I'm not doing the works of my father, then don't believe me. Look at that. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I'm in the father. Look at that. Jesus, when being questioned about whether or not he truly is the son of God, he said, here's the proof. If you want to know that I am the son of God, that I am the Messiah, the anointed one, he said, even if you don't believe what I claim or what I preach, believe the works, believe the works. You see that? What is he saying? You've seen the miracles, the signs and the wonders. And they are the proof that I am sent from the Father, that I'm the anointed one, I'm the Messiah. If you don't believe me, at least believe the works. You know why? Because healing miracles point people to Jesus. Hallelujah. Healing miracles point people to Jesus. Go with me to Acts chapter eight. I want to show you something here. Acts chapter eight, persecutions happening in, in Jerusalem. And so people were scattered to other cities and towns. And the Bible says in Acts eight and verse four that Philip, uh, as people were being scattered, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached to them the Christ. Listen to this. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Get that. Why did the crowds pay attention in the whole city of Samaria? When they heard him and saw the signs that Philip did. Verse seven, for unclean spirits that were crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were also paralyzed or lame were what? Healed. And there was much joy in that city. What was going on? People were coming to Jesus because of the signs and the wonders, the healing miracles that were taking place in the life of Philip and in his ministry. And notice that when so many people uh, had been saved, they immediately called for Peter and John to come from Jerusalem and lay hands on all these new believers and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. So how did it start? Philip preaching the gospel and what was backing up his preaching of the Christ? It was signs and wonders. And that is, we're talking about that today, the seventh vital function of the anointing and that is the function of healing, healing miracles. And listen, Healing miracles are not reserved for those that are in the ministry. It's not reserved for your pastor or every evangelist or a prophet, an apostle, a teacher. It's not reserved. The Bible says that believers will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Believers will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. You don't have to be a pastor 
to see somebody that is sick healed. You don't have to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist to see the sick healed. You as a believer carry the same anointing and power as any ministry gift because you've got the same Holy Ghost. You've got the same anointing. And so understand something. We are called to see the sick healed and set free. So the seventh vital function of the anointing is the function of healing for sickness and disease. And when those things take place, it points people to Jesus Christ. It points people to his saving power. Yeah, as somebody put it in the comments earlier, Brother Hagen used to say that healing is the dinner bell for salvation. Healing is the dinner bell for salvation. Number eight, the eighth vital function of the anointing is deliverance. It's deliverance. Notice the other thing Philip did in Samaria. Yes, it was healing miracles, but also unclean spirits that were crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. What was happening? They were getting delivered from demon spirits, getting delivered from demon possession, deliverance from addictions. Hallelujah. One of the vital anointings or one of the vital functions of the anointing is deliverance from strongholds. Listen to Jesus when he picks up the scroll of Isaiah, Luke chapter four, picks up the scroll of Isaiah in the temple and uh, he starts to read. Luke chapter four, starting in verse 17, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And he starts quoting it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, freak people out. They were ready to kill him. But notice what he said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? To bring deliverance to the captives and to set free those that are oppressed. The anointing will set you free. The anointing will bring deliverance to the captives. Those that have demon spirits, and I've cast out demon spirits. Those that have demon spirits, the demon spirits are not stronger than the power of the anointing. They are not stronger than the power of the anointing. And so demons have to come out. Strongholds have to be broken. You know, even addictions, that's deliverance. When you get addicted to a substance and the Holy Ghost sets you free, you just got delivered. Doesn't mean you had a demon spirit, but you can be addicted to things that become a stronghold and a captivity to your life and the Holy Ghost will set you free and you, you experience deliverance from the power of God. I was sharing the story of a few weeks ago when we were in Ithaca, New York at his tabernacle, Ithaca, and uh, that precious woman got delivered um, smoking, I think she said three packs a day for 16 years or something like that. I mean, addicted to nicotine, fully overtaken, couldn't get free. And then by the power of the Holy Ghost, immediately delivered came back, said, I haven't smoked a cigarette today, yesterday, started giving her testimony, set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. I tell stories of people been delivered from drug addiction in our meetings, totally set free to the point where they don't even have the desire to do the drugs, though they've been doing them for years. Deliverance, being set free. One of the functions of the anointing is to set the captives free. Pornography addiction. Drug addiction, nicotine addiction, prescription medication addiction. There's one lady got, got healed in one of our meetings, came in the next night. She had 38 medications in a big Ziploc freezer bag and set it on the altar. I'm talking 
a bag full, a heavy bag of pills, set it on the altar, said, I don't need it anymore. I'm free. God healed me. God touched me. And that was in Pennsylvania. And I'm telling you, the Bible says, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Free indeed. Not just free from sin, but he'll set you free from things that bind you up and hold you. Can't seem to get out. Can't seem to get free. It's like people sitting in an invisible prison and they can't get out of it. You know, there's people that are saved that are addicted to things that they don't want to be addicted to and they want to be free. And that's what the anointing will do. Set them free. It'll set them free. That's why it's a picture of this. When Jesus in John chapter 11 went to Lazarus' tomb, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Come forth. And Lazarus came out of the tomb, but notice he was still in his grave clothes. And so Jesus had one more instruction. Because though Lazarus was alive, he was dressed like he was dead. And Jesus had to give one more instruction, loose him and let him go. And that's what's going on with many believers. They're saved, they're on their way to heaven, they love the Lord, but they're still dressed like they're dead. They're still, you know, smoking three packs a day. They're still, still they can't get free from drugs, alcohol, addiction. They're still struggling with lust, pornography. But the, the, the other instruction is for them, loose him and let him go. That's the delivering power of the Holy Ghost that will set you free. Myrna said, I'm set free from drug addiction now for seven years. Praise God for that testimony. I mean, people ought to lift their hands in the comment section and thank God for Myrna's testimony that for seven years, free from drug addiction. Why? Because the delivering power of the Holy Ghost is still working today still touching people today. And we need deliverance power. There's many that are bound. Many that are bound. Many people are bound by depression and anxiety, and then they get addicted to antidepressants and medications, and, and it's just a downward spiral until the Holy Ghost sets you free. Hallelujah. Till the Holy Ghost sets you free and the delivering power of God. Thank you, Jesus. That's number eight. The delivering power of God comes upon your life. And that's what the anointing will do. Amen. Give God thanks for that. We're praising God with you today, Myrna, for your freedom, for your deliverance. You're not who you used to be. The Lord did it. We give him all the praise, all the glory for it. Jesus' mighty name. See, the anointing is vital. I don't know why anybody would want to keep the manifestations of God's power out of their life or out of the church. Foolishness. It's straight up foolishness. My friend Joel Stockstill tweeted a few days ago. He said, if, uh, if you think that speaking in tongues is a hindrance to building your church, I would look to check what you're building. What are you building? What are you building that the Holy Spirit is a hindrance to what you're building? It's not God's church because God's church is not hindered by the Holy Spirit. It is built by the Holy Spirit. And I have, I cannot understand these churches today that used to be Pentecostal, used to be Holy Ghost filled, used to be charismatic. And now they don't want anything to do with the moving of God's spirit, baptism of the Holy Ghost. They don't want anything to do they don't lay hands on people. They, I mean, none of it. They don't want to be a part of it. They've totally gone seeker sensitive. It's all entertainment. It's all a show. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me. And so, yeah, that's right, Liz. You can live like this, free and full of joy all the time. You can live this way. And it takes the delivering power of the Holy Ghost delivering power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, watching the difference, when I prayed for that lady in Brazil, watching the difference between her face before she was delivered and her face after the demons came out of her, she went from anger and, I mean, it was like pure hatred and she got delivered, came to, 
sweetest lady smiling, came through the line to be anointed with oil, received the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It'll change you. It'll change you. So deliverance, that's number eight. Number nine, the ninth vital function of the anointing. And I'm sure we could keep on talking about this and keep coming up. You can't exhaust the power of the anointing. But number nine, it's the protective power of the anointing. Number nine, the protective power of the anointing. The anointing will protect you. The anointing absolutely will protect you. The power of God watching over you. I'm sure if I had people lift their hands again in the comments, how many people that have been, their life has been spared by the Lord. You don't even understand how many times that you should have been dead, but angels are watching over you because God is protecting his people. The anointing will protect you. Spirit of the Lord puts a hedge of protection around you. Uh, years ago, I wrote a book entitled Blood on the Door. The subtitle, The Protective Power of Covenant. The Protective Power of Covenant. Glory to God. And the anointing will do that. And in that book, I talk about all of the ways scripturally, that God provides protection for his people. You know, for example, the Lord can just fight your battles for you, as he did one time for my uncle Tiff, who was preaching in India. And as he was preaching in the, out, uh, the outdoor field, three men tried to harm him. So as he's preaching, he heard a scream from the crowd, and here comes this man charging him with some form of a, a blunt object, whether it was a club or a bat, had it in his hand, charging the front. And he, he, he set his feet. He was ready to protect himself, and he heard the Holy Spirit say, just keep on preaching. Just keep on preaching. And so he just kept preaching. He said that man ran right down the center aisle, and when he got about four or five feet from him, it was like somebody that was standing there with a shotgun unloaded on that dude's stomach, and he flew backwards onto the ground and was out cold. No, he never did anything. He just watched it happen. He said he kept on preaching, and a second scream came from the crowd. Another guy with a weapon came charging at him. And he said he came right up, and about where that guy came, same thing. Boom! It was like something hit him in the stomach, knocked him back, and he flopped down in a pile on top of the first guy. And he said, because the devil's so dumb, a third guy came screaming and running at him. Same thing, holding a weapon in his hand, and boom, again. Knocked him right in the pile. And he said, those three guys laid there in a pile for the entire service. They didn't want, <laughs> they, the devil didn't want my uncle preaching. He didn't want him preaching Jesus. People tried to stop, but listen, when the Holy Ghost is working on your behalf, can't stop you. God will protect you. There was a, a, an evangelist uh, that also pastored, preached for my, uh, my grandfather preached for him in the early years, um, and he was a missionary overseas. And in one of the nations where he was a missionary, it was a, a nation that was host, hostile to the gospel. And they had a compound that they stayed in there and uh, one day, a group of men came from the, the town where they were in uh, to be saved. And he couldn't understand it because these were men that were hostile towards his work there in that city. He couldn't figure out why they now had had such a change of heart and wanted to be saved. Came right up to the compound. And uh, he said, well, I'll pray with you, but why is it that you want to serve God now? And they said, well, last night, we came up here to kill you. He said, we all had you know weapons, machetes, whatever. They said, we came up the hill towards the compound, and, and they didn't know it. They were in there in a prayer meeting. He said, when we came up the hill to the compound, he said, there were huge men standing outside your compound holding swords that were on fire. They said, we saw that. We threw our weapons down and ran back down into the village. He said, we want to serve the God that you serve, who has power. And God supernaturally protected him from those that had come to kill him because the anointing will protect you. 
The anointing will protect you. I don't know if you've ever heard the story. Many of you probably know the name, Pastor John Hagee in San Antonio, Texas. There was a man that came right into Pastor Hagee's service while he was preaching, had a gun, walked right down the aisle and lifted that gun up and fired the whole thing right at Pastor Hagee while he's preaching at the pulpit. Pastor Hagee never moved and not one bullet hit his body. When the forensics team came in and did the investigation, they saw where the man was standing and they looked at the bullet holes in the drywall behind him on the platform, behind Pastor Hagee. And they traced the line of fire from where the man shot and where the bullet holes went into the wall. And they told Pastor Hagee later, several of these bullets should have passed through your body, but not one bullet hit Pastor Hagee. And he's still alive today to tell the testimony. The power of God will protect you. The power of God will protect you. We serve a God that knows how to take care of his children. Let's go back to one of the most powerful Psalms that any of us has quoted, and I'm sure it's been quoted over the last few years quite a bit until some num numbskull on his podcast and on his blog said, you can't quote Psalm 91 because Jesus rebuked Satan for quoting it when he was in the wilderness. People don't understand anything. I'm so surprised about how little people understand about the Bible. And this guy's actually telling us that we can't use Psalm 91 and quote it over our lives because when the devil tried to quote it to Jesus, Jesus rebuked him. Yeah, well, guess what? I'm not trying to use Psalm 91 to cast myself down off of a high place to test God and see if he'll save me. I don't quote Psalm 91 so that I can jump off the Empire State Building. I quote Psalm 91 so that as I'm going about my purpose in my life, doing what I'm called to do, understanding that God protects me in the midst of my purpose. Hallelujah. Put, put that in the comments. God protects me in the midst of my purpose. That's the key. God protects me in the midst of my purpose. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He'll cover you with his pinions and under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You'll not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You'll only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You'll tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion, the serpent, you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I'll protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. We serve a God that knows how to protect us, knows how to take care of us. And the ninth function of the anointing we're talking about is the anointing that will protect you, guard you. Hallelujah. Protect you and guard you. And he'll, he'll do that in multiple different ways. As I said before, yesterday, he may reveal things from the future. He may warn you ahead of time about some things that are happening. May warn you ahead of time. One time the, the Lord protected my father's ministry because there was somebody that was working in his ministry against him. 
conspiring, two workers conspiring together against my father and his ministry. And they had met one another, a man and a woman who was married to another man had met in a car somewhere and made plans. And the Lord allowed, it's like he carried my father out and let his spirit man, whether by vision or who knows how, it was like he was right in the back seat of that car and he was watching them and he could hear everything they were saying, everything they were doing. He knew exactly what they were planning. And he said straight from that meeting, <clears throat> the guy got out and came straight to my father's house to initiate that plan. And when he knocked on the door, my dad opened it and said, what were you doing with that woman in that car in that, and, and told the whole scene. He said, the guy's eyes got big and he collapsed to the floor and started asking my father to forgive him. What happened? The Lord just protected my father's ministry by showing him something, by revealing something to him. As I told you yesterday about Brother Hagin and the recession, the Lord protected Brother Hagin's ministry by revealing what was to come. And so one of the functions of the anointing is to protect God's people from harm, danger, calamity, think, from being destroyed. The Lord will watch over you. And then number 10, let me give you this. The 10th function of the anointing that we're going to discuss is the anointing will give you supernatural wisdom that will allow you to bring solutions. Put this in the comments. Number 10, divine wisdom is a function of the anointing. And see, what divine wisdom will do is it allows you to have solutions to problems that other people do not have. It gives you solutions to problems that other people do not have. Well, what happens then? Then you're more blessed than others. You're sought out more than others because you can solve things and do things and have wisdom to step up and uh, you know take care of things that others just can't. And then that causes you to be blessed. I mean, look through the Old Testament and the New at people who had the ability to solve problems. Look at Joseph. I mean, you go back and see all these things from the Old Testament. Look at these men. They were head and shoulders above the rest. Look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were head and shoulders above the rest, the Bible says. Divine wisdom was given to them. Think about what it would be like if the president of the United States called all the young, the top young men and women from around the nation, and it was only the top 1% of the top 1% that were coming to be trained to be in the service, you know, of, of our nation. But then, like you and your friends, in that huge group of elite people, of wise, capable people, you and your friends were clearly head and shoulders above the rest. And that's what happened for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that after the, the attendant looked at them, watched them, saw them, it was clear they weren't on the same level as the rest of the people that had been brought into the capital. They were on another level. And God will do that by the Holy Spirit. He'll give you divine wisdom that will help you to understand things, create things, bring solutions to things that other people just can't seem to figure out. And because of that, God will elevate you through divine wisdom. I mean, if I read to you all the things that the book of Proverbs says about wisdom, it would blow your mind. It would blow your mind. But I want to read to you uh, something that's so important because people undervalue wisdom. But look at James chapter 1. And verse 5, James chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all and without reproach, and it will be given to him. 
So he said, wisdom being the principal thing, if you lack it, he said, just ask God for it and God will give it to you. So notice that it's a divine wisdom. It's not natural wisdom. It's divine wisdom. He said, and the Lord will give it to you and he'll give it and won't rebuke you for asking for it. I want to show you this. Go back to Proverbs chapter 4. Wisdom is the principal thing. The Bible says, in all you're getting, get wisdom. Hmm. But I want to show you this because this is so vital. People undervalue wisdom. They think it's cool to not be wise. That, that's actually real. People think it's cool to not be wise. Well, I don't really know much, man. <laughs> it's like, that, that's not cool. It's not cool to not have wisdom. You know, people think, you know, that, that whole nonchalant way of, well, I don't really try it anything. You know, I, I, I ain't me, man. I don't know a whole lot of stuff. That's not cool. That's not what God's called you to be. God's called you to be an elite member of the body of Christ, filled with wisdom and capable to solve problems. Listen to Proverbs chapter four. Um, I'll start reading with verse five. Proverbs four, five. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, who? Wisdom. And she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. This, or the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She'll honor you if you'll embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Do you see that? She'll exalt you. Hallelujah. A beautiful crown. I love this. I mean, isn't that funny? The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. <laughs> Wise people, what's the Bible saying? Wise people are seeking wisdom. That's what the Bible's saying. Wise people are seeking wisdom. Listen to this. Go back one proverb to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3 and start with verse 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit is better than gold. She's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. Long life is in her right hand. In her left are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so get that. Wisdom will bring you prosperity. Wisdom will bring you long life. Wisdom will bring you honor. Wisdom will guard you. And one of the functions of the anointing is to bring you wisdom. It's to bring you wisdom. Notice that if you don't have it, ask God for it. If anybody lacks wisdom. So what are the avenues of wisdom? Well, the first avenue of wisdom is the word of God. If you just applied the principles of the word of God, you would operate in supernatural wisdom and it would bring you increase. The second avenue of wisdom is asking the Holy Spirit for it. God, I need wisdom. Give me wisdom. And he said he'll give to all men and will not rebuke them for asking. Gives them liberally. Gives Why? Because God wants you to have wisdom. It's part of your inheritance as the anointed ch child of God. What's well, another avenue of wisdom? God puts people in the earth that have done what you're called to do and they can speak into your life, impart to you knowledge so you don't have to make the mistakes they made. You can just benefit from their wisdom without the pain. That's what Paul was getting the church to do. Follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm sending Timothy to teach you how to live like I live. I, con I covered all of that in my book, Further Faster. 
Wisdom is the principal thing. The writer of Proverbs, in all you're getting, get wisdom. In all that you get, get insight. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. It comes from the word, it comes from prayer, and it comes from surrounding yourselves and uh, surrounding yourself and receiving from those who already have it. Hallelujah. Those who already have it. Listen to them. Listen to wise counsel. Godly counsel. Now see, I don't receive any counsel, uh, especially concerning my life, from those that are unbelievers. I don't receive it. I don't receive it because I know what they expect. You say, well, there's people that are unsaved that could give you good advice. Maybe, maybe, but I always check it back to the word of God because there's people that'll tell you to do stuff because it seems good to the natural mind, but it contradicts the word. So I don't do anything that contradicts the word because the ultimate wisdom is God's word. And I don't know if you've known, you know this or not, if you've checked it out, if you've ever been to like Barnes and Noble and looked through the business section of the books and all the things they're trying to teach people about business, many of the principles that you're going to find in those books are scriptural principles wrapped in a different skin. And the reason that they work is because they are God-instituted principles. It's like I was listening to this guy the other day uh, who's a very popular, well-known marketing guy, business guy. And you know what he actually was teaching the people that follow his social media? You know what I find is really one of the best uh, avenues in business is, is kindness, kindness and compassion. He's teaching, he's teaching about the gifts of the spirit, or excuse me, the fruit of the spirit to people that are in business. He said, you can never lose. He said, when you have kindness, operate in kindness, love people, you know, be compassionate to what they're dealing with, what they're going through and treat people with honor and respect. He's like, dude, you're teaching the fruit of the spirit to secular business people. They don't even know it. I find that really what really pays off for me is kindness. It's like, dude, yeah, the reason it pays off, it's a scriptural principle. What a man sows, that will he also reap. And it doesn't matter what a man sows. Everything's a seed. Everything is a seed. It produces a harvest. And we need the anointing. We need the anointing. Hallelujah. We need to spend time in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit reading the word, fasting, getting before the face of God, receiving wisdom. Why? God's calling us up to another level. This is our year of divine possession. This is our year to go where we've never gone, do what we've never done, have what we've never had. It's our year of ownership in Jesus' name. And that's exactly where we're headed. Glory to God. It's exactly where we're headed. And so I'm encouraging you today. I told you that I'd pray at the end of the broadcast because as we said, one of the divine functions of the anointing is healing and deliverance. And so I know there's people that are battling. They need healing. They need deliverance. And so we're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you today, thankful for your anointing, thankful for your power. Today, I ask you that you would touch your people that are listening, watching. Lord, if they're battling sickness in their body, we ask you, let healing virtue flow through them right now. And we ask you to make them whole. We take authority over sickness and disease, command it to loose its grip and let them go in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for healing them. Now, Lord, those that need deliverance, I don't care if it's a mental problem, depression, anxiety, emotional attacks, suicidal thoughts. I don't care if it's demon spirits. I don't care if it's drug addiction, pornography, nicotine, alcohol, whatever. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And I command you to be free today by the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for it, Lord. We give you praise. Now, Lord, let us be filled with wisdom from on high. Give it to us liberally, Lord. Let us understand things others can't understand. Let us do things others cannot do in Jesus' name. And bless us abundantly. And we will be faithful to your kingdom in Jesus' name. We will be those who finance the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give you honor for it. We give you praise. You alone will get the glory for all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. If you receive it, if you believe it, throw some hands up, throw some fire up in the comment section. Let me know you're standing with me. And here at the end of the broadcast, it's our final day of revival here in Crawfordsville, uh, Indiana. But I want to encourage you to sow a seed toward what God's doing in this generation. 
I want to encourage you to partner with us. By the way, all of those that are already partnered with us, throw your hands up in the comments section. I want to say that I love you and appreciate you. Love you very much. Thank you for standing with us. We pray for you on a weekly basis. We're standing with you as well, believing for the best for your family. But there's others that are watching. Maybe you've not yet come into partnership with this ministry. I want to challenge you to do it today. Go to miracleword.com and you can see there, either you can sow one time by clicking the give page or click the partner page and sign up today and be a part of what is God is doing through this ministry. Carolyn and I are traveling all the time, seeing people changed by the power of God, saved. It's supernatural what God's doing in America and around the world. The devil's not going to have this nation. The devil is not going to write the last chapter of our story in Jesus' name. And so stand with us in partnership. Of course, I told you in the month of May, for those that are partnering with us, we want to send you a gift. For those that are partnering at $1,000 or more, we're going to send you three things. Number one, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's book, The, the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number two, Brother Hagin's book, which is The Triumphant Church. And number three, The Net Study Bible, uh, 60,000 translators notes. What, my opinion, one of the best resources afforded to the body of Christ in the last 200 years, and I mean that with all of my heart. And uh, so thank you for sowing. Thank you for standing with us. And uh, do what you can do. Do what the Lord's telling you to do and watch what will take place. You can always use go to miracleword.com. All the ways to give are there. Um, Janine said, where do you go after Indiana? Tomorrow we're headed to um, Danville, Kentucky, and from there to Bardstown, Kentucky, starting Sunday through Wednesday, and then off to the very first tent meeting uh, of the year in Johnson City, Tennessee, joining my father and mother, the whole team. It's going to be awesome. So we'd love to see you guys uh, in Revival. You can join us tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern time uh, on all platforms here for this uh, Revival. It's going to be an awesome night. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do. And uh, we'll keep you apprised. Also, those of you that are partners, we've got some news for you. Jenna's going to be calling you. Oh, we're ready for Bardstown, Pastor Jeremy. Um, Jenna's going to be contacting you. We've got dates in place for the next Victory Tribe homecoming weekend. We are so excited for that. The dates are set. We're ready to roll. And uh, I want to see you at this one because we got some big things happening. I want to share it with you. But Jenna's going to be contacting you with the details. We want you to mark it on your calendars. All of you that are partners with us, uh, we're going to be uh, sending out the invitations. Jenna's going to be letting you know about it. But uh, it's the next Victory Tribe homecoming weekend. We can't. I, last year was so amazing. I wish it lasted for like four days. But um, we're going to be doing the same again this year. But we want to see you. We had people that were like, man, we couldn't be there. We wanted to be there. And we just, we couldn't make it. The dates work. We found out too late. So we're giving you plenty of time this time. And uh, we're very, very excited about it. So it's coming up very soon. But uh, we want to see you there. I love you guys. Have a powerful day today. I'll see you again tonight at 7 o'clock. Be blessed. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.